Let me just, uh, I, I posted something else in the chat too. There's a story in The Guardian from 2010. Are the 2012 Olympics part of a, a plot to take over the world? This is a, published in December 2010 by this guy, Steve Rose. And there's a snippet in there that if you read this snippet, it's, it's disturbingly, it, it could be describing what people are saying about uh, coronavirus. Um, and it's right out of this old article from 20, 2010. And it's, let me read, let me just read the paragraph here. Let me see if uh, I posted it. Let me try to find it. Here it is. Uh, or so the public would think, okay, it would actually be a hoax invasion. So that's, if you think about the COVID-19, their virus, SARS-CoV-2, some people are calling that a hoax and it's invading the body, right? A hoax invasion orchestrated by the new world order as an excuse to stage, stage a global coup d'etat. Terrified by the appearance of aliens, the world's populace will surrender their civil liberties and they, a vague array of elite cliques such as the Bilderberg Group, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, and dynasties such as the English royal family, the Rockefellers, and the Rothschilds, will have smoothly achieved their goal of a single world government economy and religion. It sounds like a cross between Dan Brown, the X-Files, and Watchmen, but believers insist this stuff is real. But I just want to point out there, I mean, the surrendering of civil liberties, all right? The Rockefellers are coming up big right now because they've been funding a lot of these um, global health groups. I've seen a lot of, like, parapolitical research that, that's pretty good about that. And then the idea of this appearance of kind of a hoax invasion of something that's invading and then a global coup d'etat. It's just so striking to me that how similar this is to what we're actually experiencing now. And if Rick Clay, it's almost like, and I'm just realizing this now, because, I mean, it's like Rick Clay was right, you know, in some sense. Because his whole thing was the 2012 moment and the Olympics. But given how closely that seems to at least, um, you know, intimate and kind of pantomime this moment, it's just insane. It's blowing my mind, actually, right now, how, this connection to Rick Clay uh, and what he was saying and how similar it is. So anyhow, just... Wanted to share that enthusiasm. Yeah, I was just uh, also saying that uh, if you if you watch the video from JJ, he takes a clip from uh, Freeman, who is saying uh, literally, you know, yeah, to to give you the chip, uh, they 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 will uh, they will plan or they will need a big event like a plague. <laughs> it's it's a literary literary that this you know. Well, I just want to jump in here and say uh, the, oh, shit, Jeremy, Jeremy says in Johnny Mnemonic, the plague, they say the plague starts in 2021. Uh, yeah. yeah, the movie sets in uh, 2021, yeah. So that, that's what, that's how I made the connection yeah, between Freeman saying plague and the, the word plague in the movie, plague in the movie, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, I, I just want to point out um, in the first episode of Hindsight 2020, right, I talk about uh, the first half is about a uh, loose change. The second half is kind of a, based around uh, the film America Freedom to Fascism. And I don't really go into the content of that documentary. Uh, in the video, I'm more talk about it's talking about in terms of how the guy who made this conspiracy documentary is the same guy who made uh, the Eddie Murphy 
film Trading Places. Um, and that's that's the angle from which I approach it. But America, Freedom to Fascism is literally about microchips, about getting the getting microchipped. That is like the bulk of that documentary. And that's from 2006, I believe. Huh. And it's all about the Rockefellers, too. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, he met yeah. one of the Rockefellers. Um, yeah, this is wild, guys. I'm really impressed. I'm glad. I mean, thanks for mentioning this stuff tonight about Rick Clay and then about this movie, Giant Mnemonic. I'm going to go watch this. If, I don't know if I have time tonight. Maybe I'll stay up because if that's a 2021 plague, uh, isn't there also a sync about from 12 Monkeys that's like 2019 or 20, uh, one of the other like plague dystopia cyberpunk films? It's either 12 Monkeys or. Um, uh, I forgot. I feel like there's another one that talks about plague and 2020. So I know that I don't, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, that 12 monkeys does not take place in that time frame. I, I, I don't, I don't, don't quote me on that. I just, uh, but I did see people making comparisons that, uh, what's his name? Brad Pitt was just recently on Saturday Night Live playing Dr. Fauci and that John, uh, and that he is in the film 12 Monkeys like the one who is has access to the laboratory and all this sort of stuff um, and people are making this point of like oh Brad Pitt who plays this agent of the of the the plague is now playing Dr. Fauci and yet what people are forgetting is that there's a plot twist at the end of 12 monkeys the whole movie you think brad pitt is the cause of the corona of the not coronavirus you think brad pitt is the one who caused the plague and it turns out he didn't that's the very end you find out that he actually didn't just just to throw in if we're if we're going by that sync if we're trying to read into that synchronicity it might be worth mentioning that that like he's basically the red herring. Brad Pitt was the red herring in Twelve Monkeys. Perhaps Fauci is the red herring in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And 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 he's also being painted to be a real uh, enemy. I mean, the pandemic movie is about Fauci, largely. It's about Fauci's crimes, and apparently he there's blood on his hands from the AIDS epidemic. Is the claim in the film and. You know, I, and a lot of that seems like good research, like he was working for Big Pharma. And so he, um, you know, he basically killed a bunch of people so Big Pharma could have their antivirals. And, oh, I wanted to point this out. Um, the uh, Gilead. So this is something I think this is like some of the areas to go back to this idea of like connection between the so-called two sides. This is one area that I feel like everybody should be connected on, which is that Big Pharma it's fucking scumbag, are scumbags, man. They don't have your family or my, my health as their primary priority. It's it's their profit. And with the coronavirus, to go back to chloroquine, you know, that cocktail costs about a dollar to treat people with that per dose with the zinc and the chloroquine and the, the uh, antibiotic. I forgot what it's named. But they basically are saying that doesn't work now when they've been using it for 80 years successfully to treat malaria and many other things. I mean, that's why it's mass produced all over the world. Um, and now they're claiming the company Gilead is the name of the company. Gilead um, is a big, big, huge pharma company, one of the biggest in America. 
they're making the new drug, Resimderol, or I can't even pronounce it. I don't even want to know how to fucking pronounce it. It's one of those like really sinister pharmaceutical names that sounds like Satan, you know. Um, but this drug is going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars per dose, and Gilead will be ingratiated. And, and Fauci's kind of running point for them in the media to basically prop up Gilead. But Handmaid's Tale, right? Gilead is the name, I think, of, of the of the uh, the new country that Handmaid's Tale is about, I believe, Gilead. So there's these kind of weird... Anyhow, my main point of saying all that is just the sink, but also I, I really think people can unite against Big Pharma um, on both sides. I think that's also important. And Contagion was out in 2011 as well. If we're talking about 2011, 2012, pivoting to this moment. And Contagion is definitely one that a lot of people have said was uh, predictive programming, even if it was, I think, you know, why would you release it in 2011? Like, that seems to still be important that you pick that year. Yeah, I, 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 I'm fascinated by how, how much this 2011 keeps coming back up. Like, so I, you know, obviously I made this video about it thinking, Oh, this is the way in which it's common, this commonality of 2011-2020. But it's really interesting to kind of keep getting more examples of that outside of my own research and being like, oh, now this is like really a thing. So 2011 top movies, um, Tree of Life starring Brad Pitt and Moneyball starring Brad Pitt. And I know he's in a lot of movies, but he was nominated for an Oscar from, I think, both of those pictures. It was kind of a big Brad Pitt year. And then he won the Oscar earlier this year for his role in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so, I, and I mean, I don't think Brad Pitt was nominated for an Oscar in, in an intermediate years there. Intermediate years there. I'll, I'll look that up. But um, that is a strange, that's a to me that's like my sink my sink radar is going off when you start talking about Fauci and Brad Pitt and now these Oscars and and 2011 and it just seems like there's a lot lot there to to mine so Jeremy you just uh, posted this thing of the uh, the 12 monkeys clock does does anyone know what year 12 monkeys takes place in did anyone look that up while we we're talking or yeah, 2035 is the future, and the past is like night, right around the time it was released. Right, it's the 90s. That's what I thought. But the future is 2035. I was thinking for some reason that might have been 2020 or 2019. I think it's Blade Runner, maybe, that's 2019. Blade Runner is, yeah, Blade Runner, I think, is 2019. Yes. So Brad Pitt had an Oscar nomination for... Um, looks like 12 years a slave and that was released in okay sorry let me go here actually no oh yeah it was 2014 12 years a slave that was best picture though for best actor it was moneyball and and then once upon a time in hollywood right there so the 2011 20 2019 2020 2011 the award was received in 2012 for moneyball and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out in 2019. The, re the award is received in 2020. Um, that to me is, 
kind of some, I just I mean again I'm kind of repeating myself but the Fauci thing with Brad Pitt now is just quite highly strange to me. Um, I don't know if you want to make this as our transition point, but SJ, you wanted to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'll be honest, I really didn't want to talk about it that much because a I I hate invoking or evoking Manson. Um, energy it's it's uh it's just something that's happened too many times where like it it sort of it it is something that i feel like mentioning it brings uh this wave of stuff with it um and also b i thought that movie was garbage <laughs> and i was like i didn't want to fucking talk about it i, I was like i watched that movie and was the whole time i'm like this is I, I hate that this is the the movie of the moment, but um, <laughs> that, that's just me being a shithead. Uh, okay, so now that we're making this sort of transition, though, now that Brad Pitt is really coming up, and you and you've introduced this, a did you have something that you wanted that you wanted to bring that movie up for, and b how does how, how does that movie change the context? of what we're addressing here like it once you put that movie into this sync web how does that change any of it for you yeah it's a great thing i mean this is really worth exploring and um i'm going to connect it back to a conversation i had with david plate um last year and obviously i'm looking at 2019 now because of what we've entered into this portal Let's, let's call it that, because that's what this fucking bullshit, this corona crisis is a total fucking global portal of for humanity that when we get shot out, it's going to be, it's a whole new world or whatever. I'm thinking, you know, but it makes me like now go back to 2019 and like, okay, what the fuck was life like before this portal opened and I entered into it? Like, what were, what, and I'm like, I'm re-remembering things that happened last year of like it all now makes sense when this person said this and now that it, it, you know you know how um just the way that time unfolds it kind of has a way of like referring to the future without before the future happens and i don't even mean like in a sync theory like a 9-11 sync theory theory thing i just mean in like a personal timeline thing it's like okay that's why i went here and then did this and did that now it all makes sense sort of thing but the conversation with David Plate and I think some other people, like I think maybe Dennis was on the call and, and Doug. And I brought this up before, but he's, David was like, something strange is going on. SJ and everybody, something strange is going on 2019. Star Wars, the ninth episode. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. The year's 2019. Something's going on with 2019, and we were all, and, and I actually brought up in that conversation, I went through the whole thing about the Saturn-Jupiter cycle, and it's actually a 200-year mutable conjunction, and I'm just like, yeah, we're about to hit a huge transition in 2020, man. That's what's coming. And I didn't say anything about pandemic, but I mean, we were all talking about coronavirus and this huge change kind of without talking about it. So that's just my lead-in. But yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood, um, the reason why I think it's important, and we got you guys can I see what you guys think about this, and I, it, it's not even going much into Manson here, but it's just the power of that movie. And I loved it. I thought it was the best picture of the year, um, and uh, you know, uh, so we can we can have a disagreement on that, Alan. I'm totally cool with that. I know a lot of people didn't like it, um, 
But for me, there was an emotional power in what that film did because the film. And can, can I talk about the ending a little bit? Is that you guys cool with that? Is everybody one hundred percent? Yeah. Okay. So, the film, as you're watching it, you have no idea what's going to happen at the end, and in fact, you're worried that maybe these two kind of flawed protagonist types, these kind of rinky-dinky dudes that are fucking, you know, kind of middle-aged, burnout, washouts, you kind of come to like these flawed, these guys. And the whole time I'm thinking they're going to get killed, right? Because they live next to Sharon Tate. And so there's this, like, sadness built into the whole movie the whole time. That shit, these guys, these guys are, these are goners, you know? But what happens, it's this, and it's predictable because the Tarantino likes to do this. Uh, and he likes to rewrite history, right? He kills Hitler and the Inglorious ba- Bastards. He kills the Nazis. They win the war um, in Paris, <laughs> in the movie theater in Paris. Um, but what happens ends up happening is they save the day. Sharon Tate lives. The baby gets born. Um, and so Brad Pitt's this hero. He's tripping on acid. They stop the, 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 the Manson family murderers and Brad Pitt. And then uh, Leo ends up, you know, uh, fire hosing them and burning them. But basically they win. The good guys win. And Sharon Tate lives. So I was like moved emotionally. I was like, oh, this is so amazing. Because it, it was tapping into a collective trauma. And it was giving us that ending as a way to kind of heal. There's this idea in therapy that you can actually change your past by doing like positive visualization as a way to heal like childhood trauma. And so I thought it was an amazing um, way to put that in a film. And it worked for me. I I felt like there was some healing of that core trauma that the the collective experienced in 1969. And so that's really why I wanted to kind of bring it up was this idea of we can rewrite history. And it's an Orwellian idea that, um, you know, he who controls the, uh, past controls the future, but he who controls the present controls the past. And so I just feel like there's some real power in this idea of kind of rewriting and restructuring and, you know, but that's what, that's why I was going to bring it up, Alan, how that might relate to Fauci and Pitt and rewriting. I mean, I just, I'm not quite sure. I do think about Plandem or the th- one thing about the pandemic documentary that's striking it's coming up for me is how easily you can kind of rewrite about Judy Mankiewicz because apparently before two weeks ago her Wikipedia was pretty innocuous it was like she did research here and she helped with this and then like boom now she's like this villain and so it's just kind of complete rewriting so I don't know if that come if anything comes up for you guys on that but that's where I wanted to go with it it was like this healing revision of what happened did yeah, can I just ask just right off the bat here before I do anything? Did anyone watch? Uh, I don't know if there are any other Twin Peaks fans here. Did anyone watch Twin Peaks season three? Sounds like no. I did. I watched the whole thing, and and, and Dennis did if he's still on. I believe he watched it, and Alex did. I think we were watching it as a part of some of the ARs we did. But I saw the third season. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Do you do you see the correlation in my mind between? Cooper going back in time to save Laura, to like pull her literally onto the night of her murder, to pull her into a separate timeline, and uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, where he literally interjects into the timeline at the on the night of the murder. 
I, I see it. And I was, I think, to be honest, like when I watched that, I was a little confused about what was happening in Twin Peaks. I, don't, I wasn't a, as much of a Twin Peaks head to okay. know exactly kind of what was happening. I, are you talking about the very final scene where she screams? I'm talking about actually, um, I guess it would be the end of the second to last episode. Um, so Cooper makes a deal with uh, David Bowie to like open a time portal that he can go back to the night of the murder. So basically, the the end of season three rewrites all three seasons. Like he goes back to like the night before episode one, and and stops the murder from happening. And then the very what you're talking about the scream is that final episode takes place in the sort of alternate universe that he pulled her into. Basically, the 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 my reading on it is. He tries to do what 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 you're painting of of um, Tarantino's historical revisionism of like changing the story so that the good guys win. Oh, we get we kill Hitler, we save Sharon Tate. We're the fucking good guys. The I feel like Twin Peaks says he tries to do that. He literally goes back in time to try and save this from happening and be the good guy. And the sort of unintended consequences, the sort of, you know, the the realities of that kind of powerful magic are you don't really know what you're playing with. And then that final episode takes place in this sort of alternative universe that he they've escaped into, which is perhaps worse. (laughs) Um, That's how I read that. Um, I remember he grabs her and they go for like a drive, like in like a white trash, like like a part of this, like I think Arizona or New Mexico or something. And so it's. Uh, I'm sorry, oh, that's yes, a, yes, that's pejorative. Episode. Sorry, that's pejorative. I don't want to offend anybody, but yeah, I mean, is that I'm I miss. Sorry, it's been a while since I've seen. That's it okay. Out. It's maybe it's just not. It's not necessarily worth you know forcing the conversation here it's just this is a this is a as i said like so the the second season of twin peaks ends with glastonbury grove and the conjunction of jupiter and saturn and the the third season ends with this exact once upon a time in hollywood scenario so to me that's significant um but i i don't again i don't want to force that that conversation uh if if you know, whatever. Um, has anybody else has anybody else seen that? I mean, I mean, I'm I'm definitely someone who says Twin Peaks is probably going to be super rich for decades. I mean, it's that powerful in terms of a work of art. And I, I Dennis, I mean, I know he's really into that, but I, I, no, I'm certainly I, I want to go there, uh, uh, Alan. If, I mean, it's it's um, you know, I mean, there's definitely this idea of like the double this double person that you get with um, Dougie, the Dougie character, and he's like two people and, and, and ha- inhabiting these kind of different identities. And I think you see that with Musk, at least. I mean, I was thinking when you brought that up, you were going to take that maybe in the direction of the Elon Musk thing, where he's kind of these two different per- people in a way. And um, this, kind of du- this kind of doubling up, I think, is super are, uh, strong there. So for what that's worth. Yeah, and I'm, I, uh, yeah, I, I could go, I could go off on this, but I mean, it's just, um, 
So again, let's let's go back. Let's let's pull back into a more general conversation that everyone can take part in. Is that um, what about the fact that? Uh, so you mentioned, hey, end of um, Star Wars. We have end of uh, what was the other thing you said? Oh, the ninth film from Tarantino. We also have the end of Game of Thrones. You have end of the Avenger. That that whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, uh, that, that that whole 20 fucking films or whatever that are interconnected ends, um, you know, as all these CEOs are resigning, like, it really felt like, hey, everyone's getting ready to check out here. Like, we're done, we're done right? I was like, holy shit. Uh, I totally get that. I, I so just want to maybe go back to that area of, like, there's, there's something very interesting at that. Well... Just to throw it out here, and maybe more people have seen Star Wars, but I think it's worth exploring that movie just along these themes we've been talking about because that movie is all about like um, a man and a woman that are uh, they call it a force dyad that basically like come together, and um, I don't know. I, I think there's probably something there along the lines of Elon Musk and Grimes. Maybe um, there's something that you could you could go to there. Um, but, but I, that's really curious to me. I mean, that was a huge, there's Dennis. So that, uh, that was a huge theme of that movie that was quite different that you had like the dark and the light that had always been opposed merge in, in the, in this star Wars. And I don't know if that, it felt like a very much a completion, you know, um, a merger of the male and female and the, you know, whether that's like a new moon or a Jupiter Saturn conjunction, I don't know. But what do you think about that idea that Grimes and I don't know where we, we have to keep focusing on Grimes and Elon Musk, but it's they are right in the forefront. It's really weird to see that they're kind of they're kind of dual energies being sort of dumped. I mean, they're right here in front of our eyes. Um, was there anything there that you that you felt um, you know that you're seeing in 2020? Anybody like um, you know with with the ending of Star Wars. Um, and just to say, too, Star Wars begins in about 1980. So it's basically all of our lives. I know, Alan, you're about my age. Dennis, I think, is probably closer to when Dennis was born. I think it came out in 1977. But then it came in the theater again in around 1980. And so basically all of our lives with the, with the personal computer, um, this whole computer, and then the Internet in the 90s, personal computer in the early 80s, internet in the 90s, you know, the cell phone in the aughts, and then maybe social media in the teens. It feels like that whole cycle of like the technocracy, the technocratic kind of structures uh, were slowly put into place over the cycle of Star Wars. And now it's ended. And maybe it's not here yet, but these are the theories people are worried about, like the technocratic control grids are going to come clamping down, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe it has something to do with that cycle. I don't know. Dennis, you're here. Do you, can you talk, Dennis? Okay, I guess not. I'm going to mute. I was going to ask him about... Um... Hey, oh, I didn't hear what you, you said. I just got on. Uh, what was that? Well, just quickly, we were talking about Twin Peaks Season 3 earlier. And, uh, and I don't mean to jump back to this. I know you were kind of wanting to get away from it. But I, did you have any thoughts on Twin Peaks Season 3, Dennis, that you thought were relevant to anything you've heard tonight? Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I love that. I loved it so much. I thought it was probably one of my favorite things that I saw. Um, and I was discussion Hey, Dennis, you're breaking up pretty hard for me. Can you? We lose you. Did you see Star Wars, Ellen? No, the last I saw Star Wars Seven, I think it is. Yeah, I saw Seven. It was the last one I saw. I I couldn't be bothered after that. Okay, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that that kind of that they sucked. They all kind of sucked. The the last trilogy was terrible in my view. But okay, well maybe that's not even where we should go with this. I'm trying to. Oh, I don't about- care. You well, you guys could talk about. I mean, I I get it. It's Star Wars again. That's I I like. It's a it's a dumb movie, but it's a it's a universal language. So I'm happy. Like I can even if you tell me about plot points that I haven't seen, I'm sure I'll get it because it's it's Star Wars. It, it it works as that universal language. So I'm totally cool with that. I want to ask. Jen, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, Jen, uh, Dennis is writing here. His connection went bad. I just want to say, Dennis, are you able to get back in? I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk if you if you can. Mm. All right, I'm sorry. Sj, go ahead. Yeah, my my question. I'm just curious about about this idea of cycles. And for you, I mean, you've been deep into this 2011, 2012 to 2020. What do you think? Like. Is there anything you've seen in those years that um, are different, like after 2020 and up until before coronavirus? Was there something that emerged there? And I know we've talked about some of this before, but is there anything you're seeing that was like newly alive and that kind of was kept going during that, what is it, seven years, eight year period? Um, that you think is now like that was born then and it is now dying as we transition? Oh, um, you know, when you said born then, I felt like I could speak to that. It said born and then dying. Um, well, I think just to say, I think it's interesting is that uh, there was a an article came out, I think it was The Atlantic, I'll have to find it, uh, that said the 9-11 era is is over. Uh, and they were sort of positing that now with coronavirus reshaping the world, essentially 9-11 reshaped the world and we had 19 years of that fallout. And now we're going to have a different experience that's going to reshape the world and then the future. So like almost like marking of epochs that from 9-11 to coronavirus is its contained era. And that's interesting because when I started this, my whole point was to show, hey, you know, obviously from a geopolitical perspective, we can say 9-11 is the beginning of this one epoch, but that I wanted to show that artistically, uh, it, it also was the beginning of this new period. And I think that's fascinating, the potential for this to sort of be a bookends, if you will, um, for this this period of time that was a very very particular period of time. Um, I I think it's too soon to tell, but I I that makes a ton of sense. Like just uh, 
rationally that yeah coronavirus will that you know will be the topic of conversation and the the, the guide post for most of the not just again geopolitical policies but just sort of a lot of life um uh you know day-to-day -day life and, and again perhaps artistically as well as i've mentioned the not just the predictions but um you know okay so what is what does this mean it's almost like a you know re restarting that cycle of now once again we'll have a period of popular conspiracy theory videos uh, a change in technology what's interesting is that with 9-11 this was happening as google video was was starting and youtube is starting and uh i, I mean i think without google video i wouldn't have seen half of the the videos i saw which obviously doesn't exist anymore um but just to say that 9-11 happened as the internet is coming into prominence as this technology is coming into prominence uh you know what did i say um Woosh Change comes out in 2005, American Freedom Fashion comes out in 2006, 2007 you get Zeitgeist, 2007 is also the first iPhone. You know, so it's like it's really this like trend of like, here we go, we're like, we're building the technology and the information has a way to spread. It's almost like coronavirus is a redo of that, but in a period where that information, um, the technology has been centralized. And we're trying to shut that down. So when we talk about the censoring of Ike and Plandemic, which, again, I don't have to agree with Ike and Plandemic to, to question their censorship. Um, there's something there about, you know, as you said, now you have, you have to go to BitChute, which BitChute is typically thought of as an alt-right website. But more and more, that's where, like, people are transitioning, It's which, again could be a political ploy of like forcing people to shift their ideology to the right. Now, if, if everyone who is middle ground conspiracy theorist ends up on bit shoot and they're exposed to all this alt-right space, and these are the people who are providing for them and giving them a home, maybe that shifts their ideology. That's a possibility. But that's not where I was going with this is just to say, like, I do think there is definitely a transition that happens in the same way of, are we're create, going to be creating more content around this and the technology will have to evolve and respond to each other, both the sharing of this information and the technology in which hosts that information, that relationship is being rewritten. Um, yeah, that's what comes up for me. Um, so Guillaume, you have to leave in a moment. Are you still here? Yes, I'm back. But uh, I think uh, I will leave soon because I'm getting uh, tired. Okay. Um, have you? Uh, where are you at with just kind of um, like this idea of like an era ending? Like, how is it in Europe? Because I think about the fall of uh, communism as being a big era that's changed and like in Europe and then you have the introduction of the euro in 2000 I think was it or 2002 or something like that 2001 I think yeah. and do you do you feel like there's an era that's ending in Europe because like I mean 
the terrorism narratives. I feel like the 9-11 stuff, I know it was global, but I don't know if it, how much of that filtered into Europe in terms of like the 9-11 stuff. I don't know, where oh, are yeah, you at with this idea of a big cycle, like in terms of the Europe, like cycles ending and what are your thoughts? It's pretty hard to say. Uh, we, we've had also our, our 9-11th. Uh, lately, it was a few few years ago in France. So terrorism uh, was a kind of cycle. Coronavirus is another one. Also, there, there's been a protest in the streets uh, lately in many, many countries all over the world. So you could say also this is... Uh, a new or ending cycle, I don't know. But, but yeah, we were in the midst of, of something. Uh, I couldn't say which cycle and uh, if it's ended and if it's a new one starting right now, you know. I don't know. Hard to say. Very hard to say. Yeah, cool. No, I, I just, I'm, I think it's a really interesting concept. And I feel like for Americans, the 9-11 era, Alan, you've got up there, the Atlantic, the 9-11 era is over. And the coronavirus pandemic, oops, I mean the pandemic. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yeah, yeah, but definitely. this is definitely a, a new cycle for everyone in the world, you know, because of the coronavirus. Did you see the, the, the protests in, in, in Berlin that happened this weekend where people are now protesting the lockdown there. Is that yeah, happening in, is that happening in France as well? No, no, not, not really. No. Yeah. It's, okay. It's kind of mixed feeling in France because, uh, so they are going to reopen the schools for the young kids. So they are um, people that are uh, happy about the home confinement. Uh, and some others that are saying uh, we shouldn't put uh, our kids in schools or even teachers that don't want to go to work tomorrow, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's really mixed. And uh, it's it's you can't even separate between left and right uh, type of people, you know. It's it's really mixed feeling. People are are not really sure about what to dress anymore, you know, so they, they don't know if uh, we should take more care or if, uh, if it's safe, you know. I guess we will uh, know way more in uh, one month because uh, there will be more and more unconfined uh, countries, you know, and so we will see We'll have a better view of uh, if it was the right choice or, or not. Guillaume, are you able to stay home uh, for, for the foreseeable future? Yes. So uh, there's going to be like 20% of people in my work. So it's uh, like there are 600 uh, employees. So yeah, it, that makes uh, like 30, 30 uh no, 120 people yeah uh and um so we we're gonna make a turn in cycle you know so i'm not obliged to go there until like uh three weeks from now so i i still work from home you know 
I'm making tele telework. You say that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we understand that. Yeah, I'm like an hotline, you know, for for computer issues. Okay. Now, you, uh, I don't know if you want, if you don't want to, or give us, you know, a, a, a more vague answer to this, knowing that's a recorded call. But I know you've had some health issues lately, and if you've had to go to the doctor a bunch. When you go to the hospital, you said you've been in this hotel do uh, a bunch over the last few weeks. Oh, no, no, no. It was not in the last few weeks. It was way earlier in my life. Like It was like uh, 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So I was just, just mentioning this. And now the hotel du, which was an hospital uh, earlier in Lyon, has been uh, transformed in a big place of uh, shops, uh, luxury shops. So they, <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they replaced the, this big hospital that was uh, really famous. Well, I guess just what I want to ask is the medical treatment you've been getting recently. Have you, when you're going to a doctor, have you noticed sort of, you know, nervousness around that? Or um, I just sort of curious, any any insight of like stepping into those spaces? Not really, you know, I was uh, thinking about it, but uh, I, everything was quite fluid, you know, and uh, the doctor was not uh, panicking, you know, and and they, the, the one I saw was uh, quite relaxed and yeah, he was in a hospital, so so I was in the middle of it, you know, but it, it was a different uh, building, you know, it was the, the building just near the, the hospital where those doctors make consultation, you know. But uh, yeah, I've seen other other people uh, come coming to visit and no, they were, uh, I, I didn't see a big stress, you know, or no, no, not particularly, you know. Gotcha. Um... And just, yeah, um, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure, uh, so my partner had to go to a doctor this past week, um, unrelated to coronavirus, obviously, and they were, you know, had to have someone take their temperature at the front door you know, before they could even enter the medical space and all this sort of stuff? Were, were there restrictions like that or? No, 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 I, I didn't have that. Okay. That's very interesting. And as yeah. you said, I, I will, we'll definitely know more in a month. Cause, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, you know, no matter, yeah. unless, unless this virus really doesn't exist. <laughs> You know, uh, which which I, I don't believe it's that's the case. Um, you know, as much as any you can manipulate numbers or whatever, I don't think it's a there's zero anything. Uh, I have to assume that there will be an increase in people getting sick. There's going to be an increase in deaths, even just from you know just being being out and now if my bar reopens, then maybe someone dies a drunk driver, you know, or. Um, <laughs> You know, stuff like that. Um, 
just to, on that note, I talked to Zanor, as I said, I talked to Zanor last week, um, and he sent me some an information resource I'll try and find, and it was basically um, talking about deaths, like just death tolls globally. And yeah. uh, let's see if I can find this real quick. Yeah. Was it the Financial Times article that came yeah, out? Uh, Con yeah, The Economist. It's yeah, probably the same thing, yeah. Excess death, and it was like charts saying massive excess death. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's just saying, hey, here are some numbers, and, you know, of these are not being reported as coronavirus deaths, but we can show that there are more deaths right now than usual. And oh, yeah. I don't know if this is in the article or this was Zanor's point, but he was saying you have to factor in that with most people staying home, you're not getting deaths from, like, say, car accidents and drunk drivers and um, all the all the deaths that just happen day to day for a slew of reasons like that. Uh, most of those deaths are not happening right now. Uh, so you should actually have a, you know, with everyone staying home, theoretically, you should have a dip in Less. deaths. Yeah. yeah. And also, oh. uh, if you think about it, uh, many people didn't went to the hospital because they were in fear of uh, getting the COVID. But uh, by doing yeah. this, they they had uh, more problem of health, you know. So there's gonna there should be a crisis, you know, in hospitals because all the, those people didn't take took care of about their health uh, early enough, and many will die because of this. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. If you, are, you have a hurt issue, hurt issue, but uh, you you didn't want to go to the hospital. Maybe you waited too, too too much, you know, and you'll die, you know, in a month or something like that. So hospitals, uh, I think, are quite worried not not about the second wave, but the the, the wave of the all the people that restrained themselves from uh, going to hospital during these these last months. Yeah, and it's worth keeping in mind the source on that is The Economist, which I don't think that reputation, uh, you know, in terms of just who owns that, uh, it's certainly questionable. It's certainly a source that wouldn't publish anything that isn't kind of fur in furtherance of the kind of dominant narrative around it, just it's worth saying. But I will say on that point, too, I've been reading a lot about doctors saying, where are the heart patients? Where are the stroke patients? They haven't seen them for weeks or months. And those are patients that need that urgent care or they will die. You know, you need to get a stent in your heart. You need to get treatment after a stroke or you're going to die. So it could be that the shutdown, and, and this is, again, numbers, debaters can figure all that out. But I think there could be explanations as to why. I've also seen people saying that some of these places, they're double counting deaths because you count them when they die and then they come back and recount them when they're COVID and some, and, and some of the counts they're actually getting double counted. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. I mean, I don't know the answer about the number of deaths, but I certainly am skeptical of any data that I'm seeing given all of the inconsistencies that have been reported up and down the line. Um, um, you know, so. And, and just one last so one last note on uh, that aspect is that you saw with, um, I don't know if you guys saw the same thing made the rounds uh, just, but I feel it was just before the pandemic, 
there was a bunch, uh, something I saw getting shared on Facebook a lot about how the CDC dropped the numbers of COVID deaths suddenly dropped and they're like, oh, look. And the CDC was like, oh, there was a lag in data reporting and all this sort of stuff. And these are our corrected numbers. And everyone jumped on that as proof of like, hey, look, there really weren't that many COVID deaths. But if you look, they just made a different column. Like you would have looked at the graph and they have a COVID deaths and a COVID plus pneumonia deaths. And there's thousands of people in the COVID plus. So like, like, oh, look, all those COVID deaths disappeared. And I'm like, no, they just shifted them to a separate column. And in a way that is, um, again, it's a way for the federal government to shift their narrative to like, hey, we're, we're fine. We need to reopen. You know, so again, so just playing, yeah. playing advocate of that. You see how the data can be manipulated both up and down. Um, and yeah, I and thought it was, go, go ahead. That's it, yeah. I would just say that's what happened in China. I wanted to mention this earlier. I mean, literally the day that President Xi said, all right, it's over. The numbers just went started going down and apparently they just changed their algorithms or their way that they count the numbers so it, it just to underscore your point um, i'm not surprised that's happening now and in, in france you guys were talking about a green the green color exactly. i mean that's this stuff is like it's like the voting totals in my opinion you can just punch it up and like johns hopkins it's worth saying here the official counting resource that all the governments are using is the same group that was in um what is it 201 event 201 i mean they were part taking part of an event 201 and so you know not that that necessarily has to mean anything maybe they're the only people that have the technological wherewithal to do the counting but still it's a little bit like all right you know let's maybe get some competing data here or like is there exit polls for the data or i i just the thing about America is apparently if you remove New York City from from the, the the numbers, like things look pretty normal and you bring New York in and it's like this massive explosion. And so, you know, it just seems like if you were if you were tweaking numbers, you could there's all kinds of things you could do, especially like control the largest city or Dennis mentioned something here. Uh, Medicare kickbacks to hospitals for COVID deaths, 13,000. If they give them, if they're diagnosed as COVID, I think it's 13,000. And if they're put on a ventilator, they get 39,000. That was in the pandemic documentary. Uh, I'm not sure what the pandemic critics would say to answer back to that. If, um, so, you know, anyhow, there's just a, my big takeaway is like the numbers are so fucked at this point because now it's become a political thing and there's all kinds of motivations. And I think we've lost really the ability. At least I feel like I have to judge anything one way or the yeah. other. You know? It's impossible. The, 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 it's safe to say the waters have been sufficiently muddied. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone, uh, did the number two in the pool? No, it's <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's that uh, it's a very successful, <laughs> a very successful campaign to be like, well, no one knows what numbers to go with, so you might as well whatever you believe is what you believe. <laughs> so yeah. I want to just jump back into uh, the chat. I think it's worth talking about some of the things that were put up here. There, so there seems to be this strange connection to 1984 and 2020 
Um, uh, I guess Alan, someone threw up that Michael Jordan signed a shoe deal in 84 and. Um, well, I just to say I shared that article because it literally says the title of the article is the once and future sneaker king. So it's playing off the once and future king idea, but it also brings back the basketball thread of Zion Williamson and such. And also, uh, I thought it was, since Joe was back, I know you and Joe have talked about like King King James, King LeBron James, and all that sort of stuff. I, it was just something I, I wanted to throw into the mix for that reason. But please, please go ahead. Okay, just a couple more things. I just I typed in 1984-2020, and someone had put in The Wonder Woman, 1984. That was a film that was just released. So 1984-2020. Uh, there's this whole meme, COVID-1984, that's going around. Um, and then I saw this other really strange thing, and I'll just read this here. George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984, opens with Winston Smith writing in his diary about a film he has seen. One very good... Uh, one of a ship full of refugees being bombed somewhere in the Mediterranean, he writes. Audience much amused by shots of a great huge fat man trying to swim away with a helicopter after him. First you saw him wallowing along in the water like a porpoise. Then you saw him through the helicopter's gun sights. Then he was full of holes and the sea around him turned pink and he sank suddenly through the holes he had let in the water. Last week a video emerged of Greek, Greek Coast Guard ship apparently trying to capsize a boat full of refugees at sea. And this is not Oceania in 1984, this is Europe in 2020. So that just strikes me that I know there's been an ongoing refugee crisis, but, you know, that that is kind of a theme that we that we saw um, that's connected to that novel. Um, so just to throw a couple of those other sinks out here. Uh, uh, oh, and then what you said, Alan, this idea of bit shoot and everybody going over to bit shoot now and. I, I just, I, my fear, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but my fear is that as there's the clampdown on the once free internet, you mentioned Google videos, that's gone. YouTube is effectively useless because no one, you can't find anything there. Or you can find stuff there, but it's a lot harder and a lot of subversive stuff, not necessarily right wing, is will be removed or has been removed. And so it, it, I do find it quite strange that what we're, forced to do is go to BitChute. You type, you go to BitChute, you just type in BitChute.com and go to the landing page. And it's just, it's shit that is so like almost, it just reads like a parody of like a white supremacist, Nazi, right wing, odious, like every video that they're selling on the front page is just like just trash, I, I in my view. And it's like these kind of parodied, um, you know, um, just kind of puffed up like, you know, like I said, these are really like crazy right wing voices. And so my, my fear is that they like this and that what's going to happen in five years when BitChute gets shut down because of, of the hate speech laws. And I'm not saying I don't think it ever should be, but I can see why you would. If those are your laws, you would shut BitChute down at some point because of the shit that's on there. It's sick. And and so, like, to me, it, my fear is just that the technological lockdowns, we're seeing it unfold before our eyes in like a 1984 style where everything is getting cordoned off and then and all you have to do is then just eliminate that uh, landing spot. And then where are we going to be then, you know? 